I guess I, I guess I'm talking out of the sa- two sides of my mouth, same side of my mouth, my ass. I'm talking out a lot of Orphi. Mm-hmm. This is Amrita and Andrew. We're on a podcast journey to find our way through freelance life. If you're thinking about taking a leap off the beaten path in any part of your life, our inexpert advice is don't think twice. We're here. We're here. Click, click. Mm-hmm. Yes. All Live right. from the Motor City. Five more days in Detroit. We should talk about Detroit. Yes. So we're here. We've been in Detroit for the month of September. Um, your faithful correspondents have been <laughs> renting a furnished apartment for the month of September. Um, why Detroit? Um, well, several reasons. Um, one of them being that that was... Uh, an affordable city to be in for a little bit. It it's is. An interesting it is city that. to be in. Uh-huh. Um, one of my very good friends lives here, and it was pretty close to Cleveland. Should we need to go back to there? Which back is where Cleveland, my family is, is. Where your family is. Yeah. Um, because we were, were slash are thinking about um, what millions of Americans are thinking about, which is home ownership and maybe purchasing something. In Cleveland, so if we were going to do that, which we have not done that, but if we were going to do that, we, we would want to, to be, be close by. So um, what you've neglected in that uh, explanation, very good explanation, but uh, <laughs> that we are writing a script. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're writing a script that's set in Detroit. It's a drama that we wrote, I think, in 2018, actually. Yeah. And um, we have recently felt inspired to revisit it and kind of overhaul it and um uh you know where better place to be than to go straight to the source neither of us has spent significant time in detroit although andrew you've spent more time than i have mm-hmm. because of going to college nearby and working right. here right um but uh spending some time as sort of um you know more residents of mm-hmm. the city and kind of getting a feel for it i think has changed the script a lot it has and um, informed the script as they would it say has informed the script it was also i think you know we we just recently finished that draft so yay us we spent a month our goal was to be a month in detroit you bite finish that draft we finished a first draft last week mm-hmm. um and so we have the rest of this remaining week in the city to polish it and make it good and shiny and mm-hmm. ready for next stages people to read it yeah, yeah yeah which is so yeah i mean i think also it's informed by uh, we had some of our friends read it this weekend and, and informed a little bit more from the times we're in now than the times we were in in 2018 which were you know bad enough right <laughs> <laughs> we're in a different world yeah but it's been a really it's been a really interesting month of being full-time writers yeah in a city that's not new york setting up our routine Mm-hmm. Um, well, and... yeah. Let's st- okay. Let's start with uh, we're going to get to the fact that we have nowhere to impl- in, nowhere planned to be. Yeah, we're homeless, week. and but we don't know where we're going to be in five days. Chronologically, so so we put all of our things into storage in yeah. New York City on a very 
stressful day that I wouldn't have wanted to go through with anyone but you. I know. Moving is always stressful. Moving. And we moved together on the same day and used the same company and consolidated all of our belongings into a 10 by 10 storage unit, which until the very last minute, when I say very last minute, I, I mean, mean truly that. the last 30 seconds. It uh, didn't appear that we were going to be able to fit everything in a 10 by 10 unit, um, but uh, the three movers who we uh, hired did a remarkable job. And then we hit the road. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, with a pit stop in Cleveland, we ended up in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been here establishing... Well, first of all, okay. So we've established our writing routine. Mm-hmm. We've been doing... A, uh, we decided to make a real schedule for ourselves. Like, it was a job job. Mm-hmm. Um... um once we decided that this was the system for us, it's been beautiful. Like that, like sort of once we hit our stride, mm-hmm. it felt like we just took off running and we were able to like, you know, we assign ourselves what to do in the morning. It's either like we each have an assignment or it's like just read what we did the previous day, come with comments, like come prepared. Yeah. And like, it's really helped me to feel like, I mean, I always like respect you as a, as a you know, a right like collaborator or whatever, but like to be like, you know, we have to show up to this meeting prepared prepared with thoughts with thoughts for me i also found it was helpful to like be dressed and like maybe mm-hmm. like be wearing a scent or having yeah, yeah. makeup on or something it's like i'm treating this with the respect that it deserves to, right like, come to the table organized ready to go it's not just like a okay what are we doing today you know um it's like okay i have thoughts let's go mm-hmm. i mean yeah and um, then how do we divide and conquer or collaborate yeah so uh we will get back to the writing in a second but but um First of all, Detroit. Mm-hmm. Impressions What are our Detroit. thoughts about Detroit? Yeah, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Well, we've been blessed, I'll say, uh, with the weather, um, which my experience in Ann Arbor when I was in college was that the fall and the late spring are just really beautiful in Michigan. The summer is too. Uh, and we have been blessed with that. It is until this week, which is in the uh, mm-hmm. mid-60s, I would say. Low 60s. Um, <laughs> It was 67 degrees today. 65 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So mid 60s. Don't let her over exaggerate. (laughs) It was cold today. I've been wearing smart little (laughs) socks all day. (laughs) But other, it's been it's been really like crystal clear blue skies, and uh, you know 75 degrees to 80 degree days, and no humidity, and just like the weather that you would wish to have every day of your life. Well, I would. It's been absolutely perfect weather um michigan has been showing out this Mm -hmm. month yes um the other big impression for me um having not spent a lot of time in detroit is that the city is immensely walkable it's like absolutely don't let him tell you otherwise so walkable i mean motor city right like it's like ironic how a city that was built for cars is so incredibly walkable and uh, I mean, was the sidewalk always like well kept? No, but did it exist everywhere? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to cross like four highways because <laughs> there's so many highways in the middle of the city. But like, you there's never a place where you can't. Yeah, walk. Detroit's one of those cities, as is most cities in America, unfortunately, where they had a beautiful downtown and a, and a beautiful semi grid system, spoke wheel and spoke system, sort of, mm-hmm. you know. And then the 50s came, and then they just, like, slice through it with all of these highways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we've been doing a lot of research about yeah. the history of the city. And so I've really 
learned a lot about exactly what they sliced through, which, as you can imagine, were vibrant neighborhoods, many of which were people of color and poor and particularly black, actually, in the city. And it's just like even today, these highways after development has developed around it really feel like scars that separate the city and you cross a highway and a bridge that they built across mm-hmm. the highway on, on a pedestrian mm-hmm. bridge. And it really does go from being on the good side of the tracks to proverbially on the bad side yeah. of, the, of yeah. the tracks. That's the other thing about our time here is being really deep and really nerdy on like Detroit history, like all the urban renewal things, um, which is kind of relevant to some, you know, informs again, informs our script. Um, <laughs> And uh, and like kind of these incredible tragedies of neighborhoods that were like yeah. torn down and like the uh, historical black neighborhood that was raised. I mean, you look at before and after pictures and it was like this gorgeous thriving neighborhood that had like the Bourbon Street of the Midwest was was um, bars, clubs, street jazz, scenes. Hall, like all the greats played there, yeah. you know, Count Basie and you know Ella and all them so then that street got torn down to make this highway in the like 50s 1952 or something like that and um and it just was all like gone crazy well it's interesting we always think about uh urban renewal as being something that started in the latter half of the 20th century but urban renewal the term itself was used in the 60s when governor Kavanaugh um uh uh, Michigan, no, sorry, Mayor Kavanaugh of Michigan, mm-hmm. Governor Romney, yes. Mitt Romney's father, um, used that term in order to clear out many sections of downtown that actually ended um, n- was never redeveloped. Right. So it was like right, we right. wanted to well, clear out these that sections. That was like the tragedy of the of the Black Bottom neighborhood, which was the which was the Black neighborhood um, that they that they decided they were going to clear it all out, and then in order to like bring in higher tax paying brackets because I thought, you know, these people are right. are not contributing enough to the city. It's pretty, you know, it was it was that and another neighborhood that were slated for kind of demolition, but only the, go, go figure, only the black neighborhood ended up actually getting the ax. Mm-hmm. And then they had a city council meeting where they were like, okay, who wants to bid on it? Like, who's going to who's gonna develop this? And it was crickets and nobody wanted it. And then the new mayor came in and they were like, well, we just got to get something done. Like, this is a big mess. So let's just put a highway in it. And that's kind of, I mean, that's a, a gross oversimplification of this of situation. Course. But um, but that's kind of what, I mean, that's the tragedy of it. And it is a real scar across you know, yeah. the city. But, uh, you know, and again, you look at these before and after and it's like crazy. But that's like one among so many examples in Detroit. It just keeps happening over and over and over and well, over again. in the country. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, particularly yeah, yeah. to where yeah. we're at. Um, so that's been awesome is learning about that and kind of all these like crazy level of, um, you know, again, microcosm for the country, but like corruption on the city level and yeah, a lot of corruption inside the mayor's office, inside the department of education, inside every department of water and inability to adapt to, to different, like to adapt to the changing world, like that, you know, people left the city center and then, you know, and then we like, they had the problems of the city's too big now and, you know, landmass too big, too small in terms right. of people. Right. And, and I think really the takeaway that, that we've had being here is that like the infrastructure is all completely here and in really not bad shape right. considering that 
you've got these like sort of pockets of great neighborhoods that are like in an ocean of dereliction. Yeah, they're diffuse and they're separated by blight. Blight. Um, but really, all it needs is people to like come in. Yeah. All it needs is more people. Absolutely. And it would be the like infrastructure is here. Immediately people, vibrant again. People, yeah, immediately absolutely. Immediately vibrant again. So. Well, it's interesting to me, but like a broader point, like when uh, to think about the way we frame cities who who lose population as if they're dying, mm-hmm. as if it's one and the same. Mm-hmm. People moving away means that the city is dying, That's and such we, a good that point, like actually. that is yeah. just something that we relate those two. There's the concept of dying and people leaving. Those people aren't dying. Those people are moving somewhere else to live. <laughs> now you have a city that's living, but at a smaller scale. Yeah. So like, is it just like to think about it in those terms? Like, how do we shrink what was grown just to meet the needs of 2.5 million people in the middle of the 20th century? And now it's like 650 some odd thousand people. How do you get more people to come to the city? Because the, again, the infrastructure's there. The neighborhoods are all sort of like. There's little neighborhoods that are all thriving in little right. pockets, but all the web needs to be sort of filled in. And um, it's sort of this like broader thing about being, especially being in this like pandemic where people are realizing more and more that they don't need to be in the place where their workplace is. Right. And the workplaces are realizing we don't need to have people here in the same right. cities we're in. So um, we don't need to think about cities, I think, and city councils and leadership and policymakers don't need to think like they did in the 20th century of attracting industry, mm-hmm. uh, separate from blue collar and factory work because of, that needs to be physically present. But anything else, which the majority of our in, uh, economy is now, is, now. is now mobile. So you're not trying to attract Amazon to your city. You're attracting so that, the right. em, Amazon employees to the city because now they can be remote employees. So what do you need for that? And then how do you incentivize that? Yeah, and I think that this this gets so much to like sort of a lot of like sort of political frustration about like, you know, companies getting bailouts as uh, this yeah. sort of as this sort corporate of corporate socialism. Corporate socialism as this which really is kind of like a Reaganist like legacy mm-hmm. that like oh if if we bail out the corporations then the workers will see the benefits and then the workers see the benefits then we'll get the taxes back and then the government's going to benefit the, right you know, it's a whole and, and so it's this whole completely like false, convince you works it's completely false and like really like and in and like in this pandemic it's like let's get the, we know we've seen that the ppp was like a total disaster disaster but it's like let's what's the big issue with getting money into people's hands directly and like just give money to people like yes. why do we trust a corporation to with a bailout money more than we trust the individual person and yeah. it's like oh well then we don't know what they're going to spend it on and it's like well they as long as they spend it on something it doesn't matter like and most people aren't going to save it like, right as much well as they they're not worried about who uh, the, what they're going to spend it on they they're worried want- about not passing it through their own coffers right right and and, the, and as long as like shareholders and the rich can't profit off of it then it's exactly. not a worthy bailout exactly the stock market is all that really exactly. matters and who owns the stock market like five people exactly so anyway the, um this, this is going to be a whole lecture on 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 like social the fall of capitalism yeah. and how it will like, be it will be i promise that democracy as as and capitalism are diametrically opposed <laughs> fundamentally yeah, and how yeah, yeah. what we're doing is just band-aiding a much bigger solution absolutely uh, problem. but but i think in terms of how do how does a city a city who's maybe struggling with this idea of contracting yes um solve it it's not like let's get a company to move here let's no. get people to move here let's get people to so move how here. do you incentivize the individual the same way if you're going to use if you're going to go back to history right you do it the same way you did a corporation why mm-hmm. do you give a t- corporation a tax abatement on a building they they build and then 
and then tax uh, breaks and now for you're going to do that and you're not going to see any benefit from it. So suppose you're a city who just like last year maybe signed some sort of agreement that your co- a company's going to get a 20 year tax abatement. In San Francisco, let's say. So let's just say. And now all and your now, workers have moved and now out. All of your workers don't and have so to be. Now their in income tax, their California tax, that pay to the state to Atlanta, and to the city to, to Baltimore exactly. to and Facebook Detroit. and Amazon and all, Salesforce are all sitting there with their big towers getting tax breaks mm-hmm. while the city is like well we're not getting you're not we're not getting corporate tax dollars and we're, and not, we're getting not getting individual tax taxes. dollars and so now our schools are are moldering and we're fucked. exactly so um so we need to portion, incentivize the individual if we're going to incentivize if, if we're going to have to live in this system which will ultimately fail but that's a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> no i think it's this podcast but we're going to get into it more and maybe we'll feel less cranky after we've had these tacos but all right let's take a break and come on back <laughs> let's return to writing for a second okay so we are trying to sell some things we're trying to write some new things and we're trying to stay motivated to actually this is about capitalism too in a weird way is then we're trying to stay... how do you stay motivated to do something outside of the system of like a traditional reward for what you're doing like you know getting paid a salary and you know without the promise that there's going to be some return mm-hmm. is um, that a question for me yeah i think it's a question rhetorical i think it's a question just, just put just a, chip a chip in my mouth no no god damn it <laughs> yeah you better mute yourself okay yeah no because i think i know that you have some as much as you may not want to feel like you're motivated by a paycheck you've had some trouble with the idea of how do you stay motivated creatively if you're not getting yeah i'm motivated by progress and i'm not enlightened enough to 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 feel fully uh well i'll say two things to that yeah i'm not enlightened enough to feel fulfilled solely by the completion of a work that we do just in and of itself in in you know the drawer of our yeah desk but that's also because the things that we write are intended to be performed mm-hmm. and so Unseen. that is that is only the the first step is, mm-hmm. is writing it now it needs to be performed so but i do think i do for personally I find it hard to stay motivated sometimes on my darkest days when there are other when other things in life seem to to, to be um, stalled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to feel like Everything. what's the use in, right in, 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 in doing anything and I know everyone probably feels that at some point mm-hmm. but um, well I was, I was a couple of weeks ago I was saying something about getting up in the morning and the first thing I think is like why why yeah. get up yeah and that's not like a depressive i don't mean to sound like i'm depressed i'm not i'm also not a morning person so i think there yeah, is some sort say, of it's hormonal it's partially just waking up something. any morning even any in the morning. best of circumstances yeah. mm-hmm. and be like why but okay what were we talking about i don't know what we're talking about 
Oh, just kind of, uh, I don't know, writing. Oh, staying motivated. Staying motivated. <laughs> staying motivated. Uh-huh. Jay, so, uh, Ironies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, yeah, it's a uh, there is there is a thing about it's not just I it's, I'm, it's not quite fair of me to say that it's it's a lack of motivation from not getting paid immediately from mm-hmm. the work, um, but uh, but it's more. The, like you said, the progress. Because like everything that we've done, whether it's live, whether it's scripted or whatever, always involves a certain level of collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe... With the, other people, not yeah. just between us. Oh, the, yes, exactly. Yeah, between... Like we're just a piece of the puzzle. You and I right. are just like a piece of the puzzle. And so I think the more the better, the more accurate and more charitable way to, to, to think about it is not that like, oh, we're not motivated when we suffer from lack of motivation, it's not because like we're not getting a paycheck immediately, although that would also be motivating. <laughs> um, but that like we're not getting to the part with the TV writing yet where we can yet collaborate with all the people. And that's mm-hmm. going to be so awesome yep. when we can. Yep. Um, okay. I have another question for you. God, you're just full of, full of questions. Is that's it, good. No, no, is no. It? Okay. Um, what do you feel like, <laughs> what do you feel like you've learned about yourself as a writer? Not just about you learned about yourself, but as a writer this month, because we really have been full-time writers. Um, I have a few things to say about this. Okay. Oh, great. Wow. I just sprung that question on you. So I was, um, and one of the, one of, one of the answers has to do with anger. Okay. Which... Uh, we were talking about earlier this month um, and that you were expressing, you, you know, you had this like profound anger and I have some ang- anger too. I'm not really that angry of a person. I don't really get angry that often. So just kind of being angry and like not like I was spent a lot of time this month literally Googling like how do you express anger? <laughs> like how do you express anger in a healthy way? Because usually how I how I deal with having an emotion is mm-hmm. I just I'm like, well I'm just gonna lean into it and feel it really hard. So I'm sad, I'm just gonna be really sad. Yes. <laughs> and then I'll feel better because then I'm I've experienced sadness and I'm done with it. But like how do you do that with anger? Well, so the um, when it comes to anger as a tool, I've noticed it can be helpful for me motivationally. And I'm not a person who, you know, there's <coughs> there's righteous anger that motivates people to do things. And I've surely experienced that before. Um, but in our writing, there's sometimes that I get angry um, in a motivating way. Okay. In kind of a, in a, in a focusing way. Uh, where like, like what? Where I just get impatient and angry that we haven't figured something out faster. <laughs> so anger with yourself? Or that we haven't made a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a person who doesn't, first of all, I don't mind making decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't mind decisions being made. And I don't think decisions, 99% of them are permanent. So when pe- so I, some people are loath to make a decision because it because that feels like then it sets you out on a different path. And and. To be specific, I'm talking about my writing. There are decisions in my life mm-hmm. that are hard to make, but in like a professional yeah, we're talking sense, about writing. yeah. I'm like, I just want to make any damn decision, mm-hmm. and let's go. And then, and then if at we the end of the day, if it's like that didn't work at all, then we're gonna like do something else. But if we just like sit in him and haul on the decision, then I get like really impatient and angry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I get angry when I like I just feel like I've written something and it doesn't work the next day and I'm like this this is just like fucking stupid <laughs> and it actually motivates me just like cross it all out delete it all start over um and then just like write in a more focused way mm-hmm. so this month I've experienced anger and I've been able to use it to that's amazing. focus that's it into the writing. Yeah. Um, do you think that's like your biggest thing? This month? What about, about writing? writing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That comes to mind immediately. That's, no, that's really good. That's really good. I like that. The idea of bringing that anger conversation into the writing. And I, I haven't really felt like I have done that. So maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's my answer about what do I do with my anger? Try to like use it as a clarifying focus yeah um and uh, uh well okay what have i learned about myself as a writer i asked the question i didn't have a really oh answer. you didn't think about yourself no i didn't really think about it myself um i think um okay i'm gonna ha- have a really like sad sack water sign answer to this question i think i've like really learned a lot about some of my deficiencies <laughs> um like some of the the difficulties I have with decisiveness or feeling confident about something I've written. Like I never really feel like, oh, I got that one in the bag. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Because I've made a decision and I still feel like regret about all the other decisions that I didn't make. Right. So I, I, keep, I can envision, you know, I write a scene, okay? And then I can envision that there's so many other versions of it where I made a different choice. And those might be better. Of course, I haven't written those. (laughs) But like, you know, so um, I think one thing I've learned is to try to uh, shy away from that tendency. And to be like, okay, well, this is the choice I made. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to feel totally like I'm going to feel not, you know, I'm going to feel good about it up until the point that I get the clarifying rage to delete it and do something different yeah. rather than being like, oh, these imaginary versions of this scene that I didn't write could potentially be so much better than the shit I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's one thing. Um, I think another thing has been sort of the delicate balance of where I want to work by myself and where I want to yeah. work together. Yeah. It's really interesting uh, the, how you and I... Um, think differently and are comfortable thinking differently and because uh, there's a level with which you're comfortable with um i'm chaos is not the right word but it's, it's a, a more right a level word. of disorganization and like and just like formlessness ideation, not disorganization for, yeah, okay. <laughs> formlessness formlessness and like mm-hmm. um and you don't get tripped up on format or any sort of any sort of thing like that, and I can't think if if it's like I don't have things formatted in the same way, mm-hmm. and I can't look at two things that are formatted differently and compare the ideas. I'm just comparing the formatting, and it's just. But you have no problem, you know, typing with like you know lowercase everything, and like and I like. <laughs> It just throws me off completely. <laughs> Even just the way that you said that, where you were trying to say it as a compliment, but you couldn't. <laughs> says a lot. So, then chronologically, we're here in Detroit. 
Mm-hmm. What's going on? What's going on with our future? It's not a question. It would become, a, yeah, I mean, in the country, in the world. So personally, per well, yeah, all those things. Those are all tied together because here we are. We have no plan. We have no plan. We have no destination. We have no home. We have no travel plans. We have no plan. We are homeless. We're literally homeless. We don't even have a car. Homeless and carless. We'll be at the Greyhound station buying a ticket to wherever. Duluth. Probably Toledo. Not, probably not Duluth or, or Toledo. If I had my druther. <laughs> but maybe I don't. Um, we don't have anywhere to go. We have no plans. And um, would it be safe to say that this is the first time in your life? That you have been five days out from something and not had a plan. I'm it sure is 100% the case for me. I'm sure. No plan. Uh, so we were just kind of reminiscing that, like, when we met each other at the job that we met each other at, we were like, I mean, of course, this was many years ago. 2011. Nine years. Ten ago. years ago. Ten years ago. It's our ten-year friend anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Um. And we were like, oh, well, I could never be that kind of person who, like, goes freelance because, you know, the uncertainty of not knowing where your paycheck's coming from or, like, yeah. what you're doing. Like, how could people do that? So not only are we doing that, we're, do- we're doing extreme, the extreme version of we're that. We're doing extreme. And I've been shocked at how, like, kind of okay I feel about the whole thing. <laughs> and the world is closed off in such a way where, you know, considering, you know, all the wild, fun places we could go, like 90% of them won't welcome us. And the other 10% might not have medical infrastructure <laughs> should, like, the worst thing happen. Globally speaking, you know? yes. Yeah. And even domestically speaking, it's like, well, where can we afford to be that we'd want to be? Right. And knowing that we can't really fully experience a place considering home ownership because mm-hmm. then it's like oh well then we'll have like a place that we actually own and maybe we can either save money that way since we don't know how long we're going to need to find somewhere to be mm-hmm. um and then it's like well but maybe we just keep all of our capital freed right. up so that we can have more flexibility to move around and rent for longer um and I can just see the benefit of all of those. So me, it's like this crazy uncertainty um, where, I, I don't know. I mean, we put in an offer on a house. First mm-hmm. time I've ever done that. Notable first. Mm-hmm. And ended up not getting the property. And um, I, you know, I didn't have any feelings about it at all. I didn't either. I didn't have any feelings of... Well, we weren't excited about the place anyway. Not, not, I mean, it was this a, the, this a, a beautiful thing, like, place. How weird is that? Is this the point in time where I rail against um, the banks? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, every part of this episode is actually secretly about <laughs> capitalism. So I woke up, <laughs> woke up the morning that we made the offer. We had to get in our offer before 11. They were being considered 11. And uh, Andrew is having a very heated conversation. Mm-hmm. With a loan officer mm-hmm. at the Bank of America, mm-hmm. Kyle. I won't tell you his last name because I can't remember it. Let's call him Kyle Richards. Let's call him Kyle Richards. <laughs> <laughs> I have... 
three accounts with them and I've linked another account from a different bank from them. I got plenty of cash in the bank, Mm -hmm. a great credit credit score, and they have 16 years worth of my banking history and they can see every single damn rent check I've ever written. And I call them and Kyle asked me all these questions. Okay. So halfway through, I'm like, Kyle, I got to tell you something. And he's like, what? I said, I feel like you're, it's like a, you're, you're talking to me like it's a favor you're doing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying, well, you know, but COVID and everything and, you know, um, the bank just wants to mitigate its risk. And then that set me off. And oh, I was yeah. like, Kyle, the bank is, this loan is federally backed. The bank doesn't have shit to, to worry about. And they just send some white haired guy to Washington, D.C. to beg for more money whenever they get in a problem. And I'm the one that's assuming the risk. And so why are you making me act like I am trying to steal money from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, and Donald Trump can carry hundreds of millions of dollars in in debt and do all this tomfoolery. And I call to get into this cheap ass house and you're going to hound me like I'm trying to do something. Um, I also apologize to him for, for being so sassy, which to his full credit. Mm-hmm. Where was Kyle located, do we think? Somewhere in the Midwest, okay. definitely because of his accent. Okay. Okay. Um, he'd been he's a loan officer for fifteen years, and he and I said, you know, Kyle, I want to apologize to you if, if it sounded like I was I'm blaming you for anything or expecting you to have. I think your exact have... words were for being a lunatic. Yeah, that's what I said. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were a full yeah. lunatic. Yeah, I was a lunatic. I was a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but he said, you know, you've asked some really good questions, and I um, I wish my boss could hear it. To which I said, yeah. if you'll forward me. <laughs> I'm happy to have this conversation mm-hmm. because this is why we are where we are in America. Just a man trying to get into a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment in Cleveland, Ohio. I said, Kyle, what incentive do I have to have a perfect credit score? What incentive do I have not to carry a lot of debt? If I call you the bank and you tell me, oh, you've done everything you're supposed to, now we're still going to make it hard for you? Mm-hmm. I have no incentive. Mm-hmm. You should just cut me a credit card right now and mail it to me. I'm just going to run it up. Did you actually say that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Poor Kyle. He was not ready for this. I know. It's probably his first call of the day. <laughs> it was 100% it was his first call of the day. He was like, oof, this is going to be a day. What we were talking about a few minutes ago was that we are introverts to people who love our alone time, in case you don't know what an introvert is. <laughs> uh, well, who, who gains energy from being alone versus with being with people, which is an extrovert. But we are very social introverts. Yeah. And, and this pandemic has really shown me, and I think it's shown you too, mm-hmm. the like importance of having other people in our lives. Yeah, it literally took. And not, that not being sounds able to see. silly to no, say. Like not having, being able to have anybody in our physical proximity to realize that, like, oh, I also get energy from like a lot other people. Like we just got off the phone with a friend that we talked to about nothing, just you know, catching up for an hour, shooting the shit. And I feel emotionally, energetically, so much better than I did before. Um, yeah, we're we're social introverts as it turns out. <laughs> Sad without because we were talking about this like previously in what we were recording, but like about how it's been difficult to make creative stuff without like the collaborative element of actually bringing it to fruition. Other people, yeah. And and then 
you know, it's not just that. I'm just like seeing other people. Yeah, I socially and I'm not I'm I'm a person who's like a little bit uh not low energy, but I'm not a person who I'm not there are other people who are much higher energy in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and um I can get there, but other people take me there, bring me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and I've never truly appreciated other people who have who just like i think this is our this is a little valentine moment to all of the extroverts uh, right i've never truly appreciated like maybe i should like those people who really bring that that part of you out part of me up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i am in this pandemic in this world that has changed feeling more and more um it's become more and more crystal clear exactly like how I need other people mm-hmm. and all the roles and that other people play in my life. Yep. And like how they bring yeah. out the other parts of me that I can't bring out in myself easily. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Cause sometimes, you know, we were talking about this even with like New York, that it's like the absence of something sometimes makes you realize like how important that thing was. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe this sounds obvious, but like you think you want to break from something or you think you don't need something or whatever and like being away from it is like oh well, this is actually an essential thing yeah whether it's a place or whether it's people or the role that they play or whatever you're talking about like realizing in the pandemic like what your what other people do for you but like i think there's also the other side of that is like realizing what you do like what your relationship is to other people too. Mm-hmm. And um, like being in pandemic, I feel like in the past I've, I've struggled a lot with the idea of what do I want? Yeah. What do I want from a relationship? What do I want sexually? What do I want um, about my, about the way I relate to other people and the absence of having that option even like, it's not like I've always exercised that option. Uh-huh. But now the option isn't even available. Right. I feel like I've never known more what I want mm. mm-hmm. than I do right now as a function of not having, having the, option the option available. I don't know whether I can say that I read that as being a positive because <laughs> it's, you know hard one positive you're right right, right, um, right. but i think it's just really interesting because i feel like thinking about what i want to look for in the future or what i want or even the present <laughs> what i want to look for and and what i uh what i hope to get like i i feel like i i have more clarity on that than i've ever had before as a function of it not being even available right and and that's like, and that's like a New York thing too, right? Is that like, there's always an option in New York. There's like endless options, and I don't think I realized how much the paradox of choice uh, limited me. Mm-hmm. And having no choices in a weird way helps me to actually clarify, understand what it is that I actually want. Yeah. Um. So it's it's the same thing of like it's a similar thing of like the removal of the option to just go and get outside of your head and see other people makes you realize that that was actually like a critical part of your Uh, experience you know Uh, my life yeah 
and uh, what makes me happy mm-hmm. <laughs> to be, you know, blunt, I guess. Uh, it's like, you know, leaving, like I was explaining the other night to a friend, like leaving New York, all the things that it, you know, made clear about what I felt about New York and what I uh, never had put my finger on precisely what it is I liked about where I was living Mm -hmm. and and who I was living around and all all these things. Like vaguely I could articulate it, but it wasn't until I moved on that I was like, oh, like there, uh, now I understand (laughs) what it is I need to live my yeah, what's, most what's fulfilled, actually, happiest, best life. Right, 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 right. And how like fully the place that we were in met a lot of those things. I mean, in the state that it, in its normal state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Versus pandemic, but yeah. Um, do you feel like you've gained any clarity on your on relationship, like on like what you might? We're both in a, a state right now of being single and unattached oh, yeah. and whatever do you feel like you've gained any insight on that um i uh yes but only in one way and that is that um it relates to what i said earlier about those people who bring out other aspects of me mm-hmm. that i can't easily bring out in myself mm-hmm. um i really value that and there is a balance in like, not not to say I want to be with someone who's going to force me to be, you know, uncomfortably do you know, out all the time yeah. and like you know, um, but uh, but I but I you know if I if I'm, if we're talking about a next relationship or a next sort of like mm-hmm. person or personality or energy that we're looking for, it's like, oh, you know, I I I think I would bring a lot to a relationship, but the thing I wouldn't bring is, um, is that this like energy level and a bit like up and out yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of like mm-hmm. excitedness about mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I can get excited about the world. You are excited. About and I am excited about the world. <laughs> no, I know what you mean though. It, and it's somebody who kind of, um, what parts of yourself do you want for another person to counterbalance and which parts do you, do yes. you not? I feel like I can bring a depth of enjoyment to something, Mm -hmm. but someone else needs to be the spark that lights the fire. Mm -hmm. That makes, that's. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. What about you? Um, Well, I've been thinking a lot about um, the, like, absence of a relationship or, like, what, what it means to, like, to, like, actively not want a relationship that I think we've talked about a little bit and you know there's not a lot of like idioms for or like examples of like you know people who've who have lived like very joyful like uh public publicly like exciting lives without the without the concept of having a relationship and i think that's like a very in a way you don't think so no i don't think so I, i i don't i think it's a very like kind of queer uh sort of idiom like i don't i don't can't i can't think really of that many heterosexual women who who aren't queer 
Yeah. Who aren't queer. Because I, I just, in my mind, I was like, what about this person, this person, this person? But then I was like, oh, they're all queer. Yeah. Um, so I think... Uh, That's not to say there is not an extensive list of people well, who I'm aren't sure, queer. Oh, of course there have, are. But, of course there are. But um, I think, I think like, kind of the idea of celebrating that as being, like, a really exciting choice and, like, a like a fruitful choice uh-huh. is something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, because of the pandemic? No, 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 not because of the pandemic, just in general. Or just, just by way of where you are in your life. But by, yeah, by way of where I am in li- my life. And I think some of that is just kind of situational because I find myself at this point in my life, like not being in a relationship and like not having really, um, for better or worse, having the opportunity to like, understand what's good about that like that being a relationship relationship. so like i actually feel that like and i really don't mean this in like as (laughs) shitty of a way as it may sound oh no (laughs) no but i don't understand what's awesome about (laughs) i was gonna say prepare for it prepare for it brace yourselves no i don't understand so i truly don't understand what a relationship would bring to my life that would enhance it in any way Okay, that's a different question. To your life, how would it enhance it in in your life? Okay, that's what I thought. I, well, yeah, I thought you were going to be broader than that. No, 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 no. This is a very choose your choice, and I think it enhances people's lives greatly, <laughs> and can be like so awesome and great for other people. But like for me, I don't understand. I don't understand what I can't envision a situation in which being in a relationship, particularly being in a relationship with a man, uh-huh. would provide me anything greater than what it would ask of me. Yeah, yeah. It would require of me. Which just means that you feel like a lot of your needs are currently met. Which is great. Not that a man need, needs to meet your no, needs. No, no, I know. A romantic partner a romantic does. Part, right. I mean, that was what... I mean, that's part of what romance is, right? Traditionally fulfill, like, checks certain boxes. A certain box, to, yeah. It's supposed to fulfill oh, certain too. needs. And so, like, I feel very... Maybe not all of them, but No, but some I feel super certain. lucky. Like, I feel really lucky that that I, I feel like I'm in a point in my life where I have so many really, 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 like... Intimate deep, relationships. Intimate relationships. And, and, of all kinds. Yes. And I think intimacy needs to be, like understood as the the sort of broad term that it is there's so many different ways of being intimate with people and like i feel like i have so many of those very intimate relationships with people um that i don't feel like there's anything lacking i have all the support i could possibly wish for which is something that a lot of people never get to have Mm -hmm. so like that's really like i couldn't be more Grateful. grateful for that um so so in that sense like I, I find it difficult to kind of understand what type of intimacy like i don't have that i could gain from like a romantic long-term romantic uh. partnership so 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 that's like a total non-answer to your question which is like <laughs> what would i what would i look for in a next relationship yeah but i think i think it informs that answer okay which is that i'd want something that was very um that was able to function in a really non-traditional way and wouldn't involve like that there's a natural progression to like living together and getting married and mm-hmm. having like a closed 
circle kind of unit together um and that's like not a type of relationship that interests me and it's never really interested me but it certainly doesn't interest me right, right now. and i know and i know people um who women who feel the same way yeah like it's uh, not like, a, it's not like a, you're not unique in that so it, it's not that i'm saying that i that i wouldn't want like that i wouldn't be open to right pursuing a relationship but i think it's the clarity of understanding what is that what is that that actually bringing to me and um and being lucky enough to be in the place where i feel like and you've said this that this might be like a there's a way in which this might be a liability but it, the minute that that's not bringing something net positive to my life like i don't need it <laughs> so yeah it has to be it has to function in that way that's like bringing something Really, good. I mean, obviously, like physical intimacy is no. I different. mean, you're right. You're right. You also function in a world that is not as, you know, a broader world that is not, you know, that narrows your options. I mean, if that mm-hmm. is going to be, which who cares, right? Who cares if your if your options are narrowed? Because it's like, why do I want to broaden my options if it could be a bunch of dingbats that I'm <laughs> dealing with? Well, that's what I'm. But that's what I'm feeling, but, and that's like kind of the clarity, some of the clarity that I'm getting. But but also just kind of like understanding, I think, um, in the absence of having, again, the absence of having options, the, I've, I had so much trouble when I was like dating a lot in the mm-hmm. spring of uh, like, I, I was really being like punched in the face by this fact. I was like, oh, I have no idea what I want. And I, and I was confronted with people asking me what I wanted mm-hmm. and not being able to tell them because I didn't know. And now I feel like maybe just because like, there's no that option isn't open yep that like maybe it's just like the power of fantasy or the power of like imagination that that has given me that clarity to be like okay well i think if someone were to ask me that now and i'm like out on a date or i'm at my house or i'm like whatever and somebody asked me what do you want Mm -hmm. i'm just like i feel like i could answer that question very clearly Okay, so I'm that person. What do you want? Let's not talk about it in the air. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. <laughs> I will say that um, I feel like you in that right now in my life, there's nothing missing. Mm-hmm. So... I also don't feel compelled to... I haven't dated anyone. I don't feel compelled to date anyone. I feel like all of my emotional needs are met by the the friends that I have and the family that I have. And that is open to change at any time that I feel like it's exactly. changed. Well, that, that's course. the other thing, is that, that none of this is ever, like, permanent and i think that that that's a that's such an it's also an interesting privilege that we get from being on the the unpartnered side of it is that you know people always ask you if you're if you're single or you're unmarried um you know when are you gonna do this when are you gonna get married when are you gonna like date when you you know as though like being single is the only mutable Mm -hmm. uh, version we never ask like a partnered person or a married person. So when are you going to get divorced? When are you going to move when on? When are you going to be single again? When are you going to yeah. date other people? When are we going to get rid of this 
face. You never I mean, ask a, that. I mean, unless you really hate your friend's partner, but even then, which <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we won't name names, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we never we we assume partnered to be kind of like some sort of like end zone uh-huh. quality that, yeah, 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 yeah. that you don't come back out of. Um, and but the truth, we know that, that that's not the truth because we're in our 30s now and we're, we've lived through enough of our friends going through breakups yeah. and divorces and broken engagements and you know reversals of yeah. fortunes that like everything's mutable so as much as you might want to think like you're partnered and that means that like you're set for life shit happens people die people move away people, people like, change people change like circumstances and, change and that's you know and of course like that's sad and that's bad you know i'm not like trying to make light of that but it's like you well life is sad and bad (laughs) okay okay and i don't mean that to be like uh, i know i'm just saying that there's this there's this uh, there's an option of kind of like viewing that mutability as a positive as a single person that that's like um that can be very liberating that we you know but that mutability exists for everybody point being it's really exciting to think about um everything you've said everything i've said about how our relationships feed us to be like my hope is that the next generation that will just be so intrinsic in the way they think it's like this isn't even a revelation and you it's know? like and the options of like and just so much of that that like wokeness about like what who can I who can I date or not date or who can I be or not be? How can I like you know, I don't know, it's like very like woo woo, but like all this like, you know, the the gender spectrum and the sexuality spectrum and all that is like so um I feel like and I feel like it's separating feels so, there it feels like the younger kids are like so Yeah. They are because they're also separating your um, sexuality with intimacy, mm-hmm. as we did, or we're talking about earlier. And that, you know, there are kids who are like, oh, I feel like I'm asexual, but I know that I can have a romantic a, an intimate relationship, romantic a, relationship mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. someone. So, like, starting to even understand that, like, intimacy. What the fuck are we after, people? Right. What are we after? Right, we're not right, after. Right. Uh, sexual relationships with each other beyond that being like of course sexual mm-hmm. relationship is a very satisfying relationship to have too I'm not saying mm-hmm. that but I am saying that um, the intimate relationships we have are broad and deep and varied and and mm-hmm. cut way Completely. across whatever sexual attraction we have so which I think women have found a way they have their their female, female friendships friend yeah which are which can serve those purposes openly and mm-hmm. not be not be you know yeah, criticized yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. any sort mm-hmm. of closeness that they have straight men have, not, have straight men are criticized for any closeness that correct. they have that that resembles and real do they need to like rely closeness. on like a heterosexual partner to like satisfy all their emotional needs all their like right all, like all their feelings but i do like, feel like we're moving from that because i feel like you and i, I so. have straight friends mm-hmm. straight male friends who are able to have feelings one <laughs> maintain friendships with women yeah. that are mm-hmm. non-sexual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. two able to say say things out loud how they like, feel i love you yeah yeah, to yeah, their yeah. friends. Yeah. Like if you have a straight man in your life who can say I love you to his other friends, whether they be women or men, mm-hmm. like, great. 
like so yeah women can have women friends gay men can have gay male friends. yeah right absolutely and then like straight men are just like look i'm Poor not guys. i'm not out here i'm not out here saying like let's start like a ngo for for sure what was the ngo we were gonna start by the way <laughs> what was it oh llc's no, no no oh yes oh the political one was llc's because we were like look at <laughs> like look Donald Trump's tax If Donald Trump are can use a ending. company to, to send They're all ending. of his hair bills through, then what we're going to. We, so, if you would like to donate to LLCs for Everybody, go to LLCsforeverybody.org. We haven't bought the domain yet. No, we haven't, but we will. <laughs> and what our mission is, is to go to every door mm-hmm. and knock on the door and say, Would you like to form an LLC? And what we're going to do collectively as a country is send every expense, every grocery, you buy every haircut you get mm-hmm. will go every through your you and i quote company so that we can write it off mm-hmm. so that in 2021 when the irs receives your llc and your your personal taxes and sees that you've written off everything then we'll have some real change right because then the co- government is going to go bankrupt and bankrupt then, and they're going to have to be like oh well we're going to have to reform the tax code because it's not okay. Because now everyone owns an LLC and runs all of their expenses through right. it. And is able to exploit the bullshit that rich people yep. exploit Let's every day. Let's do it. LLCforeveryone.org. LLC for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what we're, we were talking about straight men and no, their no, no, vulnerability. No, no, no. I actually, I've remembered where we were. because So so we were talking, wait, yeah, I know we were talking about the tax code and how it's fucked up. But what we, what, what the actual NGO that I was thinking of was a different one that we invented, which was, um, is about thick thighs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, about, that one, men, men's thick it's thighs. It's about how we should really be appreciating how men have. Why did I even bring this up? Because you really have a thing for men with thick thighs. I just love a man's thighs, and I think that they are underappreciated in our society as a whole. And I think that we would be I'm better. Let off. you talk because you're 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 telling people what you're. I'm just telling people the truth. <laughs> I'm not telling. I'm not talking about proclivities. This is not about proclivities. This is about facts and figures. Okay, the, the facts and figures. Tell me the facts and figures the, of men's thighs. The facts and figures are that people don't appreciate fully and objectify fully in a respectful manner. The fact that men's thighs are very attractive. <laughs> they do in a disrespectful okay. manner. I think they don't do it at all. I think <laughs> I think we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention to we the bounty. We are in an era, <laughs> right? We're in an era where we don't appreciate men's thighs. Yeah, that's how I feel. So while I'm over here administering LLCs for everyone, mm. I'll I'm ready to be I'll be out here with a clipboard, and I'm like, can I show you some photographs? <laughs> Have you thought about men's thighs today? Like you should, you should, you should take a minute. Vote Biden. You should, take, you should take a minute. I'm phone banking for thick thighs today, sir. Do you have a minute? I think there's a certain, hopefully, I hope, certain level of anxiety that's been either remedied or removed, uh, replaced by other types of anxieties, of course, but. Uh, Am I anxious? I don't know. I don't know where my life is leading or what will be in four days, five days. Four days, five days. Who knows? Um, but uh, I think we're learning a lot. I think we're learning a lot about um, releasing our need for control. And we're both super like control people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the idea of both of us, both of us being 
four days out, five days out from a no plan and no car, no home, as we've described. Um, and being as like sanguine as we are about it mm-hmm. is a huge testament to some personal growth about control issues. Um, I do yeah. think I do think you have la- some a few like sort of latent anxiety things. Not like me. Oh, I have some latent no, no, anxiety I do, things. I know that I do. Fine, mine, point your fucking finger. Uh, are mine Go. latent in any way? Mine aren't latent. Mine are like completely at the surface and fully on display. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think more than that, I think we're just kind of learning to release some of those things and make peace with the uncertainty and make peace with the anxiety aspects. Yeah, the world is crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism is lurching into its final stages. Death throes, yeah. I hope. Late stage capitalism mm-hmm. is the thing. Mm-hmm. And America is not looking to be on the forefront of change and evolution when it comes to that sort of thing. So we are stuck in a country, people, that is slowly dying, atrophying, if you will. I will. So... <laughs> I say that every time you say that. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be too... Um, no, no, no. I know. I know. And um, that is hopefully something that's galvanizing for us um, with no matter what happens this fall, that it doesn't matter what the outcome... I mean, it does, and of course it matters. It matters in a very life and death kind of way what happens during the election, but... Either way, we have a lot of shit to solve, and hopefully that can be, like, that sort of righteous anger can be galvanizing for us in the way that we've been talking about how we use our anger is how do we, like, focus our anger into a righteous anger and a... a Productive anger. Productive anger for change and for... I'm mad at the world. I know you're mad. I love you. I love you, too. There is no one I'd rather go through this apocalypse with than you. Than than an angry white man. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best ally in these troubled times. I swear to God. You can subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts and find us at vjandstevens.com. That's V-I-J-A-Y and Stevens with a P-H. We're working on some scripts and some fun new live projects. You can find us at VJ and Stevens on Instagram, and our assistant Susan now tweets at memos from Susan.